All right. Well, good morning, everybody. So we're going to be in uh, chapter 27 of Exodus, and um, if all goes well, we'll, we'll get through uh, two or three chapters with um, a little help. So uh, see, I might turn myself So just from a structural standpoint, of course, we've been going through the construction of the tabernacle, uh, the, the courtyard and the, the inner tent, and uh, we've talked some about the furnishings uh, for the tabernacle. We're going to go through some more of that today. Um, if you've been reading ahead, you know it's, it's not much further that we get to uh, what you might even think of as a, as a bit of an interlude. Um, in uh, chapters uh, 32 and, and 33, um, parts of 34, and then beginning with um, oh, 35, 36, and go, so forth, um, we hear again almost the, the same type of language as we've been studying these last few weeks. So it's almost like um, we're receiving the instruction about how it's going to be built, and then the sex, second section is like, and here's how they built it. Right, which was pretty much how it was described. So, um, uh, just from a structural standpoint, and then at, at some point along the way, we'll start to uh, talk about the significance of some of these furnishings and so forth. But it's good just to kind of get in your head um, uh, the, the the layout, you might say. Uh, so um, we're going to uh, uh, finish up uh, perhaps uh, some of that. So in in chapter twenty seven. Uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, You shall make an altar of acacia wood. We've talked about acacia wood. Uh, five cubits long. We've talked about how long a cubit is, about 18 inches. Five cubits broad. The altar shall be squared. Height shall be three cubits. Horns on its corners in verse 2, overlaid with bronze. Um, verse 3, pots to receive its ash- ashes, shovels and basins and forks and fire pans. All of these utensils shall be out of bronze you shall make for it a grating a network of bronze four bronze rings at the corners and so forth um, this is a a very um, uh, practical uh, piece of, of uh, equipment that's going to be there uh, this is going to receive the actual uh, sacrifices so this this grating there is is for the the burning uh, the horns uh, perhaps for tying up an animal. Um, we're going to see in a few moments um, a little uh, video animation of, of um, at least one person's kind of uh, arrangement of this. I think it does a, a, good, I, um, a good presentation of, of uh, showing how things are arranged and um, uh, you'll see it's, it's very practical as we get into uh, some of the actual uh, usage of it. Uh, then uh, on down to verse 9, it says uh, you, sh- you shall uh, make the court, and it goes through the, uh, the, the length. Uh, we've talked about that uh, the tabernacle is, is arranged um, uh, kind of broader. Uh, it's very wide, um, uh, not quite as tall, you might say, um, uh, in the depth of the, of the lot, you might say. Um, opening from the east. We've talked about that. Uh, speaking of which, uh, if, um, if you look at your uh, little handout here, uh, this kind of describes that um, as um, 
if you if you face it north, then your paper is going to be sideways, and uh, and you'll see the opening uh, will be to your right, which would be to the east. All right, so uh, we're going to see if I can get this little animation to play. Uh, I, this is um, off YouTube. Um, the uh, the music was a little creepy. Uh, I may try to turn it down. We'll see. <laughs> something as it's described. I think this works out pretty good. Ark of the Covenant or Ark of the Testimony and the contents. This area you might call the mercy seat. there and if you think about some of the sacrifices 
you know, you start putting a few dozen animals in there and you, it would get pretty crowded pretty quickly. Anyway, I thought that was pretty well done. A couple of years ago, the church in Manwack, I did not go, my sister or some people, she goes to church, they reconstructed the, the whole thing and she said it was beautiful. Yeah, uh, no question that um, those sorts of um, visuals really make a difference. He had one over in Chevrolet uh, set up like that. Oh, yeah? Music is very appropriate when you go into that. <laughs> <way>. <laughs> All right, let's see. All right, um, so that pretty much takes us through uh, chapter 27 as far as the description of things. Then we get to the priest's garments. Um, you could all come up with examples of um, different uniforms that people wear, uh, different, um, you know, especially like military uniforms and the insignia and so forth. Um, this description in, in chapter 28 of the, the priestly garment is um, one of the most detailed descriptions, uh, perhaps uh, only rivaled by the, the detail of the tabernacle itself. In fact, you'll see a lot of uh, parallels to it in terms of uh, the types of materials that were used, the types of colors that were supposed to be used, um, and uh, Kind of carrying the the theme, so that you know, if this was the tent of meeting, you might, as it's called, where where God, you know, dwells, where God meets uh, man and his chosen people, and then that's carried forward uh, uh, through the through the priest, um, who is ultimately going to apply um, these uh, blood sacrifices. Uh, to the people and and the forgiveness contained therein um, to to these people so this this transition um, uh, kind of reflected in in the priestly garments Uh, so uh, if you'll uh, permit uh, this is going to be another uh, video I'm going to show and and uh, it's actually uh, narrated um, with the actual scripture Uh, in fact it, it sounds like the same guy that uh, Dad and I use sometimes to do the reading. Um, it's from the King James, but you'll see it. I think it's interesting because you'll actually see the priestly garments being constructed. I don't know if some of you have maybe have seen this video, but I think it's extremely well done. It shows how how they made their model of it, and they're using modern tools with you know sewing machines and engravers and so forth. But the ultimate result, I think, is pretty amazing and it it shows just how much technique and technical expertise it would take to make the same thing now and you can imagine uh, what it would have taken without all those tools Uh, of course they were um, uh, these workers were divinely gifted in how they did that so um, let me see if I can get this queued up And take thou unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, 
that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and for beauty. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate and an ephod and a robe and a broidered coat, a mitre and a girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, and of purple, of scarlet and fine twined linen with cunning work. It shall have the two shoulder pieces thereof joined at the two edges thereof. And so it that shall be little loom wove in this little and the piece of gold wire. The ephod which is upon it shall be of the same, according to the work thereof, even of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen. And thou shalt take two onyx stones, and grave on them the names of the children of Israel, six of their names on one stone, and the other six names of the rest on the other stone, according to their birth. With the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, shalt thou engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Israel. Thou shalt make them to be set in arches of gold. And thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. And thou shalt make arches of gold and two chains of pure gold at the ends. Of wreathen work shalt thou make them and fasten the wreathen chains to the arches. And thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod thou shalt make it, of gold, of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, and of fine twined linen shalt thou make it. Four square it shall be, being doubled. A span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set in it settings of stones, even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardius, a topaz, and a carpenter. This shall be the first row. And the second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, and an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosings. And the stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Every one with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate chains at the ends of wreathen work of pure gold. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate two rings of gold, and shalt put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. And thou shalt put the two wreathen chains of gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two ends of the two wreathen chains thou shalt fasten in the two arches, and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it. And thou shalt make two rings of gold, and thou shalt put them upon the two ends of the breastplate in the border thereof, which is in the side of the ephod inward. And two other rings of gold thou shalt make, and shalt put them on the two sides of the ephod underneath, toward the forepart thereof, over against the other coupling thereof, above the curious girdle of the ephod. And they shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof unto the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue, that it may be above the curious girdle of the ephod, and that the breastplate be not loosed from the ephod. And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel and the breastplate of judgment upon his heart, 
when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. And thou shalt make the robe of the ephod all of blue, and there shall be an hole in the top of it in the midst thereof. It shall have a binding of woven work round about the hole of it, as it were the hole of an habergeon, that it be not rent. And beneath, upon the hem of it, thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and of scarlet round about the hem thereof, and bells of gold between them round about it. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe round about it. And it shall be upon Aaron to minister, and his sound shall be heard when he goeth in unto the holy place before the Lord, and when he cometh out, that he die not. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold, and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet, holiness to the Lord. And thou shalt put it on a blue lace, that it may be upon the mitre, upon the forefront of the mitre it shall be. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow in all their holy gifts. <coughs> and it shall be always upon his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. And thou shalt embroider the coat of fine linen, and thou shalt make the mitre of fine linen, and thou shalt make the girdle of needlework. And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles, and bonnets shalt thou make for them, for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt put them upon Aaron thy brother and his sons with him, and shalt anoint them, and consecrate them, and sanctify them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness. From the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. And they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons, when they come in unto the tabernacle of the congregation, or when they come near unto the altar to minister in the holy place, that they bear not iniquity and die. It shall be a statue forever unto him and his seed after him. So, pretty cool, huh? Not that Dad and I couldn't have replicated that video, uh, given enough time. <laughs> um, any any comments about about uh, either of those two clips? Yeah, I I, th I think so too. I mean, I I I, I don't even know the, the the detail that they went through. Obviously, uh, uh, some pretty uh, pretty good craftsmanship just in the the replica of that and finding the proper stones and just that's a lot right um, I don't know how many of you like so but I mean that just seems like a lot to me um, all right so where are we uh, so that takes us down to uh, verse uh, I'm sorry uh, chapter 29 uh, one comment about uh, you know the the two stones you've you've heard about this um, 
this Urim and, and Thummim or Urim I saw one person talking about. Um, we don't know exactly how these stones were used, but this was a decision-making apparatus for if you had a what I assume to be basically a yes or no decision to the priest, um, then the, the priest would reach into the pouch and grab these <coughs> stones. Now what happens after that, I've, I've heard a, a, several theories. Um, uh, you know, I, I think there was a, an example where like David said, hey, should I go pursue the Philistines further or should I just chill? And, well, he probably didn't say chill, but, um, and got the answer. Um, so one, um, one theory, which one commentator said was pretty much fantasy, was that um, you pull the stones out and, and like words would light up on the stones and kind of give whatever God's answer was. Um, uh, in this particular case uh, on the video, you have two similarly shaped stones, uh, one white, one black, and um, Apparently, the word uh, Urim um, means lights, uh, so, so that would be the white stone. And I guess uh, the priest would kind of reach in and, you know, uh, or maybe they would just reach in and grab one, and that was either the yes or no answer. I'm not sure, again, of the mechanics, but it was, again, some sort of decision-making. Um, one uh, writer said that uh, apparently the, the word the thrumen is like a plural, and so pictured that, that the, the Urim, the, the white stone, would be a larger stone. So the priest would reach in, always grab the bigger stone, and then would grab one of two um, similarly, or I guess identically shaped black stones. One would have the affirmative engraved on it, one would have the negative engraved on it. So, and then would present your answer and this sounds kind of convoluted, and but anyway, um, and would would present and uh, both stones, and if if um, you, you know you got either the yes or no answer in the one hand, and if the if the white stone started to glow, then you knew it was an answer from God. If it didn't glow, then you assumed well God just didn't want to answer that question. Uh, I thought that was <laughs> kind of interesting. Um, so a lot of this is theory. Um, this last um, theory apparently um, was taken from a lot of extra biblical Jewish sources, uh, I guess Jewish history and so forth that would be outside the Bible and, and, and much of it probably um, lore uh, passed down uh, through, through time. But, uh, verse 30. Yes, um, verse 30 of 28 is dead, says, uh, And in the breast piece of judgment you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart. Thus, shall bear, thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. But this was, uh, this was decision-making. Some of people said, I guess in the past it's been thought of as, a, as like a casting lot sort of thing. Again, I'm not sure anybody knows... Uh, the exact mechanism, but it somehow used these stones, and it was some way that that God gave a very specific answers to uh, very specific questions. 
the whole purpose of the tabernacle, um, well, there's probably, yeah, it's too narrow to say a single purpose, but certainly one of the purposes was to uh, receive the sacrifices uh, and to uh, apply that that picture of forgiveness to the people. And, and here in chapter 29, we have it done specifically for the priests. So we'll go through uh, that a bit. Verse 1. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. One bull of the herd and two rams without blemish. Unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil. So what's all of this about no leaven and unblemished animals? Right? We saw this in, at Passover and of course we're, we're wanting um, uh, the, the, this picture of a, of a sinless sacrifice, of a clean sacrifice. Uh, it talks about, uh, let's see, unleavened wafers, verse 3, put them in one basket, bring them in the basket, bring the bull and the two rams, bring in Aaron uh, and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting. And one of the first things that happens is they get washed. They get washed. Um, verse 5, you shall take the garments, put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod, you know, the whole, the whole outfit, put the turban on his head, Verse 7, then there's anointing. Then there's anointing. Uh, this, uh, there's some special oil that we'll read about in a little bit, but uh, certainly this, um, throughout Scripture, this anointing, this you know, special indication of God setting you apart for the service that you are about to do. Um, uh, our post-resurrection equivalent of that would be the receipt of the Holy Spirit when, when, we're, um, when we're saved. Uh, let's see, verse 7. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. You shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them. Priesthood shall be theirs by a statute. Thus shall you ordain his sons. This whole uh, ordination and anointing setting apart uh, they're they're going to be deemed special. Uh, they're, in essence, God represents God's representatives. Um, they are truly being set apart. Now we've got to deal with their own uncleanliness, their own sin. Verse ten. Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Part of the blood of the bull you put on the horns of the altar with your finger. We saw that in the video. The rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar. So putting their hands on the, on the animal, they're basically symbolically transferring their sin to the animal. Then we have the verse, I think it's in Leviticus, where the life is in the blood. So now the, that comes out through the blood, and then the blood is put on the altar. Uh, let's see, rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar, verse 13, and you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys, burn them on the altar, but the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. So all that's taken away. 
verse 15. So we have this kind of forgiveness ceremony. And now you might think of as um, the dedication ceremony. Verse 15, Then you shall take one of the rams, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on the head of the ram, and you shall kill the ram and take its blood and throw it against the sides of the altar. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces and wash its entrails and its legs and put them with its pieces and its head. Burn the whole ram on the altar. It's a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. The other ram shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. Verse 20, you shall kill the ram, take part of its blood, put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and the tips of the right ears of his son and on the thumbs of their right hands and on the great toes of their right feet. I've always wondered why we call the big toe the great toe. We do that in medicine. I, I guess it's right here in scripture. We call it the great toe. That's, that's hilarious. Uh, we throw the rest of the blood against the altar, and then you shall take part of the blood that is on the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments. Uh, he and his garments shall be holy and his sons and garments with him. So you see this, this um, special anointing with the blood. Ear, thumb, the big toe. Um, think about, let's say you were one of the sons of Aaron. And you see all this happening. And you see these animals being slaughtered. And you see this blood being collected. And then, you know, here I guess it's Moses that's coming around and, and applying this blood to your ear and your thumb and your feet. That would be very strange, unusual weird special awesome crazy i mean but i'm guessing you would remember it right <laughs> you would you know this is no ordinary day here we are and we are getting anointed and uh, i think it would definitely be a solemn occasion i'm guessing there was no snickering going on Verse 26, you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's ordination, wave it for a wave offering before the Lord, and it shall be you, your portion. So uh, this is where uh, they'll, they'll get to, to have that, uh, to eat. This, this wave offering, son, you know, I guess they actually wave it. It sounds interesting. It shall be for Aaron and his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Israel. So we, we know that when the land gets settled and the land gets apportioned, um, the tribe of Levi doesn't get their own land because they're kind of, you know, set apart. Um, the rest of the of the community is supposed to provide for them, and and they get to partake of uh, some of the sacrificial uh, offerings. Um, verse twenty nine. Uh, we have the garments again and the anointing. Um, verse 30, the son who succeeds him as priest who comes into the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place shall wear them for seven days. Um, we have um, verse 31, take the ram of ordination, boil its flesh in a holy place. Aaron and his son shall eat of the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket. They shall eat these things with which atonement was made at their ordination and consecration, but an outsider shall not eat of them because they are holy and so forth. 
Uh, verse 35, additional instructions about ordination. Seven days you shall ordain them. Verse 36, and every day you shall offer a bull as a sin offering. Also you shall purify the altar. Verse 37, seven days make atonement for the altar and consecrate it. Verse 38, two lambs, a year old, day by day. In other words, every day in the seven days, one lamb, verse 39, you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and go on. And then we see the flower and just, verse 42, it shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak with you there. I will meet with the people of Israel to be sanctified. It shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aaron and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Reminder after reminder after reminder. I am the Lord, number one. I'm the Lord that brought you out of Egypt. You've seen what I can do. You've seen how I do things. Um, I get to call the shots here. Um, but I want to be with you. I want to be with you that I might dwell among them. Briefly, there's a description in chapter 30 about the altar of incense. It's basically just like you saw in the videos. Verse 11 of chapter 30, which is kind of odd, they take a census and everybody pays up when they take your name and that keeps you from getting a plague. That's, I, I looked in all sorts of commentaries, nobody really has much else to say about that. It's a census tax. Verse 17, this basin's a basin of bronze where um, they did the ceremonial washing. And then verse 22, we actually see the recipe for this anointing oil that's been used, uh, which is um, kind of interesting. It says, basically a gallon of olive oil into which 12 and a half pounds of myrrh. Now that sounds like a lot of myrrh and pretty expensive stuff, I would assume six and a half pounds of cinnamon, six and a half pounds of cane, twelve and a half pounds of cassia, some tree bark, um, and then this is this is what was going to be used. Um, pretty pretty amazing stuff. And then after that you have the recipe for the incense. Verse 34 um, of chapter 30. Sweet spices and so forth. You get this recipe. Um, and then that's to be burned. Uh, don't make any for your own supply. Uh, whoever makes it uh, as for your own shall be cut off from his people. Um, so what's going on in this courtyard? We've already know, know that there's going to be lots of animals. Uh, they're going to be pooping all over the place. They're going to be slaughtered. Uh, there's going to be entrails. There's going to be lots of blood. It's going to be messy. Uh, a little incense, probably not a bad thing. Uh, I found out that um, the world spends $20 billion on perfumes and colognes a year. In America, we spend $2 billion just on like air fresheners and Febreze and stuff like that. We like our smells. It's one of the five senses. So God's saying, yep, here's your, uh, 
here's your uh, here's your probably wasn't Febreze I probably could have used some Febreze back then but uh, anyway so there's a the layout we better quit uh, any comments Yeah. <laughs> At some point, you need to move along. That's a great. That's a great point. Yeah. Hebrews says that this is a shadow of things in heaven. I know, right? Find out just in what way it shadows I I keep thinking about that myself, and um, yeah. I, in other words, it may sound foreign to us as Christians today, but maybe less foreign than we think. Exactly. Exactly. Things to ponder. Or we better quit. Father, we thank you that you are the God who brought people out of Egypt. You are the God who wanted to dwell with them. You are God with us, Jesus, who takes us out of our own sin and slavery and wants to dwell with us through your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, everybody.